All right. What I want to talk about, which I don't know that I'm going to get through all this, but what I want to talk about is, is time specifically. Uh, last week was, was great. I listened to uh, Brother Ben's sermon a couple times. And uh, just like he was saying, we talked throughout the week about just different things in life and, and about the scriptures and the greater truth about the gospel and the greater truth about the Bible. And, um, and it, the same thing he said in, in, as he opened up, I love the diversity and hearing different styles of teaching in different ways. And I know I love hearing expository preaching and just breaking down, you know, scriptures and talking about them. My style is more of a, uh, I guess, more abstract, if you want to call it that, uh, uh, more abstract version of, of, uh, of reading. But I like looking at the big picture. I like looking at the big story. I always try to take a step back and try to see everything. And not that uh, expository is not that way. It is. It's very good and helpful. And I learn from it very much so. So it's not either or. It's both and. But I love seeing the bigger picture and the greater truth. And that's what uh, Ben and I have been talking about, basically the greater truth in the, in the, in the story of the Bible. What I've been kind of caught up with lately is time, uh, and pretty rightfully so, because it's our anniversary. We've been married for 18 years, and I'm going to turn uh, 42, I think. I've lost count. At 40, you just don't count anymore. It's just <laughs> 42. I'll turn April 14th in a week or so. And... Uh, and statistically, and you, I, I overanalyze everything. You guys know I search the internet all the time. But statistically, males live to be about 77 years old. So I'm way past, I'm going past halfway already. And so this, this idea of time, you know, is always at the back of your head. You know, statistically, one out of every one person is going to die. <laughs> it's, not, it's not my fault. It's just statistics. But so there's going to be, there's a certain amount of time we have on earth, right? I mean, this is not a, this is not a foreign concept to anyone. Um, we as Christians know that there's also eternal life, and so there's something separate from just this life, right? There's something greater than just this life. And so that's one of the reasons we meet here every Sunday. It's one of the reasons why we're in fellowship together and that we talk about this, is that there's, there is a hope and there is something greater than just this life. Now, we've also discovered through the years that, uh, unfortunately, some of us grew up in churches that focus so much on, on, on basically just getting saved so you could die and go to heaven one day that we were a bit confused, Right? me included. It took me a long time to realize that heaven's not what I thought it was, that heaven is much more real now than, than I had understood, that it wasn't this, uh, this great waiting trip to die and go to heaven one day, that heaven is available now, and the, the realities of heaven is available now, and so that just blew my mind when we discovered that. And in doing so, it, it radically changed the way that I live my life, and I hope many of us live our lives knowing that we have access to heaven now, that we don't see it in its fullness, but there is uh, the Bible says that he places eternity in our hearts. He says he creates these, the mansions that we talk about in heaven. He builds his mansion, his home in our hearts. And so there are all these parallels that go through and, and describe us as, um, as co-laborers with Christ now. So we're, we're basically running around as, as small kingdom citizens expanding God's kingdom on earth, right? Yeah. So it, 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 it puts in us uh, a different thought process in every situation that we have in our lives. So when we walk throughout our lives now, it's not... How can, I, how can I just get what I want or, or um, succeed in uh, an earthly sense? It's, it's a greater cause. Um, and something that, that most of us, that's why Rick Warren's book was so popular, The Purpose Driven Life, what's the, the big question everybody has? What's our purpose? Why are we here, right? It's, it goes beyond all different religions, all different uh, ideologies, everything. It, we want to know why we're here and what we're doing. And I'm going to tackle that and solve it all for you today. You're welcome. <laughs> No build-up to that, right? <laughs> um, 
Well, time's an interesting thing because uh, we've seen, I know I've seen in my 41, almost 42 years, looking back, it's, it's easy we say hindsight's 2020. it's a common term we use, right? When you look back at things, you can see that something was going on there, right? Have any of you witnessed that or, or understood that? I can look back at my life, even this morning when the Lord was, was telling me that someone was dealing with something that I had dealt with, um, he, <clears throat> golly, this stuff, he reminded me of where he had brought me from and, and, and brought me to a place and a, and a purpose just, and we've talked about this before in praying for people, just to be here this morning to speak to one person. And it may have been many people, but it was specifically for one person. And that is, that is the God that we serve. That is the God that we love and that loves us. To take the time, the time, to, to spare me, in, in, and my mom's in here. She knows, she knows my story pretty well. To spare me in, in, in honestly, a, a, um, a situation that I probably shouldn't have survived, right? Uh, many times over. And on into, into my teens, trying to, trying to kill myself in my teens, too. Uh, and so there was, there was a lot going on that, that God brought me through, through to get me to a place that I could see who he was, really. And so my purpose is the same as everyone else's purpose is just to share that. It's just to share the goodness of God and the relationship that he wants with every one of us. Listen, he cared so much that he, he didn't just send his son, but he sent himself as his son. He gave of himself for us. And he's such a personal God that he didn't leave us even now that he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us 24-7. Listen, if you want to take, uh, uh, if you want to find out what you care about truly, and I'm sorry, you might, some of you might get a little offended by it. I, I will as well, um, so you're not alone. But if you want to see what you care about most, take not just your job and different things like that, because there are things we have to do to pay our bills and to take care of things, right? But there are times when we, have, we can do whatever we want to do, right? If you take a survey of where, where you spend your time, you will find out what you care about most. I mean, if we want to be honest with, with, with each other, and I'm trying to be, um, we'll find out what we care about most, and so there's there's this uh, there's this this frustration that I have with myself, especially with, and I've tried to stay off social media a lot lately because I've consumed myself sometimes with just being a part of all these different social medias, and them the social media in and of itself is not bad, but it's taking time away from my wife and my family, right? Um, in the same way. Uh, we evaluate all the things in our lives, and we say, well, what are we, what are we doing with the time that we have? I said, you know, median, whatever the age is, like 77, I've only got this amount of time to live on this earth. But the, the first question we come up with, I think, is what are we doing with the time that we have, right? But I think a better question is what timeline are we even on? Because here's the, the, the deeper truth or the greater truth is what it... <laughs> this is going to sound super profound, and it's not. <clears throat> or maybe it won't. It might sound ignorant. But what is time, <laughs> I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, if we, look at, if we look at God, he is outside of time and space. We understand that from the scriptures. He says a day is like a thousand years. years like a, you know, a thousand years is like a day to me. I don't know time and space. I don't have a beginning and end. I am outside of time and space, right? We understand that. Uh, he is infinite. We are finite. It even says that we, won't fully un- we can't fully understand this. God says, look, I'm sorry. You're just not going to get this. Um, and so you just have to accept it. Yeah. I mean, he says it right out. He's like, you're, you, you, there's no way that you can fully fathom this. Um, the way I always describe it with people, especially when I get into discussions about predestination, different things like that, um, uh, is, is if you look at a timeline, and, and I think Francis Chan did this too, but I, I take it a bit step further. If you look at a timeline, it's like a string of rope with all these different things that you do, but God sees them all at once. And so when we look at time and space and we look at prayer and we look at how our lives have come to the place that they are now and why, we're, why we are where we are and why we do what we do, 
God sees it all, and he interacts with us through it all. He's not, he's not just orchestrating everything as though we have no choice in it. And that's what we have to be careful of. Um, but he is, he is continually in communion with us if we have the Holy Spirit. Just like Ben said last week, if you, if you go and join yourself to a harlot, guess, go, guess who goes with you? Christ, goes, The Holy Spirit goes with you wherever you go. He's not leaping in and out of your body. Listen, God loves you so much that he spends all of his time with you now. Right? 24-7, Holy Spirit's there all the time. This is, this is how much God loves you, <laughs> that he spends all of his time with you. Now, how do we translate that to other people? What's, what's, the, what's the greater purpose in this? How do we translate God's love to other people? We can't be with everybody 24-7, right? Here's what I found. Even within the last few days, I want to... Oh, I've, got, I've got a few different stories I want to tell, but I want to tell you just about yesterday. Uh, yesterday we had the work day up here at church, and we had several people here working, different things like that, and, and uh, there were lots of different purposes we were trying to achieve. We pressure washed the concrete out there. We painted the, the ceiling in here black. You probably didn't even notice because it's just black. So everybody looks like they're floating. Uh, we painted this black, and then we, uh, we rewired upstairs, put all LED lights upstairs for the youth with, like, some really strong lights that basketballs may not break. It looks like submarine lights. I mean, it's, they're, they're hefty uh, lights. But anyway, we did all that and learned about electricity. <laughs> Fred, Fred taught us about electricity and dancing. It was a combination of the two. <coughs> anyway, a great time was had by all. But I tell you this, we, we got some things done, right? We got some, we got, there was a, there was a purpose that we, were, we, we met when we were here. We worked on some things and we did some things. But the greater purpose was we got to fellowship with one another. I had so much fun yesterday. I felt like poop yesterday. Like I had, I had sinus drainage and I was coughing and I just felt horrible. But I was like, you know, I'm going to take some medicine. We're going we're gonna to do this. And I had a blast. We joked around. Um, you know, I bounced around between projects. I didn't do a whole lot of work, honestly. I just kind of bounced around and supervised. But uh, <laughs> super. <laughs> so, uh, but it was awesome. It was great to fellowship with everybody. Fast forwarding to last night, we were invited to go to a swing dancing class. <laughs> yeah, you heard me right, swing dancing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we were. I was committed. Trace was like, "You sure you're not feeling good?" I was like, "No, we're going swing dancing." And it was one of the main reasons. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not passionate about swing dancing. I, I'm not. But the main purpose was we hadn't we hadn't hung out with the Grays in a little while, and we there was another uh, couple that I invited, which a friend a friend of mine from across the bay who did not want to go. And I went around him and asked his wife, and she made him come, and it was awesome. <laughs> to watch his face all night was worth every penny, every, the whole $8 we spent on that. Um, but, but it wasn't the dancing. We did learn some steps. We learned some steps, and it was cool. But the greater thing was we got to fellowship with people. We got to spend time with people and build our relationship. That was time spent with people that we care about, right? It's a very simple concept, honestly. Um, but it was, it was really fun, and we got to know each other more, and we laughed, and we joked around, and we danced, and it was great. I mean, it was really fun, and we're, we're probably going to go back. It was that much fun, swing dancing of all things. Lydia was there. I know Lydia was there. She's like a trainer. She was spinning and flipping. I'm not going to do that right now. Maybe later. I kept waiting for the... <laughs> no, never mind. All right. Focus, focus. All right, so... Squirrel. Yeah, right, so... <laughs> But there, there are all, the, there are all these, these bits and pieces, and I could show you all the statistics about um, uh, how many hours it takes to really make good friends and then better friends and then deep relationships. And I'm not going to get into all those details, but the, the thing is, and I've said this before, the, the secret to a deep and meaningful relationship is, or the shortcut to a deep and meaningful relationship is, there is no shortcut to a deep and meaningful relationship. 
There is no shortcut to it. It's time spent. You have to spend time. Now, you guys are individuals, and you can't spend time with everybody on earth, right? But you have people that you have around you all the time, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your, uh, when you're home, your family. There are people that you are interacting with that are either influencing you or you are influencing. And there is a life that God gives us that is to be a light in those areas all the time, 24-7. It's not you. It's him in you. It's him through you. It's you together. And so when we, when we operate from that place, uh, not, not trying to build up, <laughs> that's the thing. That's what's tricky. It's not trying to build up enough confidence that you can do something. It's understanding that God's already done it, and you're just cooperating with him. Uh, uh, Brian and I talked about it. It's like an elevator. It's always moving. You just get on or off. When, when do you want to participate? And God's so gracious with us that he takes his time. He's so patient. He's so patient with us. He will walk with you and watch you miss opportunity after opportunity and love you through every bit of it until you really get a taste of it and you go, what have I been missing this whole time? This is so much better. Um, I'll tell you, I want to tell you a couple stories just because, uh, well, one, because it's our anniversary, so I want to tell a story about me and Tracy, but, uh, but I want to, this is, this is a greater story about time. Uh, over time, both Tracy and I have changed a lot while we were married and even before we were married. Um, before we were married, I was, <laughs> I was not saved, okay? I could go on in detail about that. You'll learn maybe a little bit more in the story how not saved I was, but I was not saved. Um, I was just doing my own thing, doing what a lot of people do, and just searching for your purpose in life, or I didn't really care about purpose. I was just trying to have as much fun until I died because I thought I'd die young or something. Um, but, <clears throat> but there was a point in which we met. Um, there were a couple times we met. One time we met on the island, and then another time I met her on the phone. <laughs> And uh, she was calling a friend of mine, and I didn't know who she was. She was calling a friend of mine, and I was ready to go. Like, come on, man, we need to go. And he, apparently she was chewing him out about something, and he was just listening. And I was like, I was like, you're being a punk. We need to go. Let's get out of here. And I grabbed the phone and cu- basically cussed her out and hung up on her. <laughs> True story. True story. And we left. And uh, years later, it's funny, I, he was the same guy was my best man at my wedding, and he waited until after we were married to tell her that that was me that did that. <laughs> He did. I was like, whew, dodged that bullet. But I want to say that there was, there was, that wasn't a time for us to get together. <laughs> we, were, we were two different people then. It just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't God's timing for us to meet. Um, he had other plans and he had other things going on. I'll tell you a story about Mike, Michael Birch. He doesn't, he's, he probably doesn't even know this. Shocker. Yeah, you're, you're about to learn something. Do you remember, do you remember when you guys uh, had, well, Trinity and Haley were becoming good friends. They, they had just become friends, and they were becoming better friends. And Tracy was like, hey, they're really good friends. And you guys were having a birthday party at, at a laser tag place, I think. And uh, y'all were busy and getting stuff together and everything. And I was just trying to be, <laughs> it's always me trying to be normal. I was trying to be normal and be like, hey, how are you doing? What do you do for a living? Kind of like normal adult stuff instead of just being goofy like I normally am. And Mike completely blew me off. He didn't mean to, I don't think. He was busy doing other stuff. But I remember thinking, that guy's a jerk. I guess we're not going to be friends. True story. You probably don't even remember that, do you? You do remember that? <laughs> did, you really, did you really just blow me off? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> okay, so anyway, he was busy. It's probably a little reason. I'm sure that's the reason. Because I'm pretty awesome. No, 
So anyway, so I just remember that or whatever, and then, and then fast forward now, and you know, we're really good friends, and they've been such a blessing to us, and just being friends and, and supporting the, the church too, and coming at a perfect time that we needed some encouragement, and then now, you know, some of the things that they're going through, we're trying to, to return some of that, and so it, it's just interesting to see God's timing, and I could go on and on and on and on about even way before that, how God had worked things out. Now, the reason why I say that is we have to be, we have to be careful that we don't put our own plans in place of God's plans. Now, what that traditionally has meant in, I think, a lot, of, uh, a lot of churches or more religious settings is that you have to submit to God and it's not going to be good, right? When, you used to, when, when we traditionally say, well, you need to submit to God's plans, we, we default to, like, the worst thing that we don't want to do. We're going to be embarrassed or it's going to be scary or we're going to have to move to Africa somewhere or I don't know why. We, just, we always think it's going to be scary, but here's the thing. When, when we look at God as a father, like we talked about a few weeks ago in praying, when we look at God as father, that changes our perspective on everything, especially if we have our own kids. Many of you have your own kids. Why would I purposely try to put my kids out there so that they could be embarrassed, hurt, or afraid? That is never my desire for my kids. Never. God specifically made sure that he knew that he was father, that, or that we knew that he was father. And he, did, he said it over and over and over again. Jesus said it the whole time. Listen, what is the, what is the greatest... The greatest truth, the greatest example of, of how God operates and how he spends his time that we have seen on earth. Jesus, right? Melissa whispered it, but you were right. It's Jesus. Listen, but it's not just historical Jesus, although it is. It's Jesus now who lives in and through us. So the greatest representation of God on earth, you want to know your purpose? Drum roll. It's just to express the love of the Father to the people around you and back to him. It's R&D goes back to our kind of our motto. We should put that somewhere. We receive and distribute. It's as simple as that. When, when you, if you don't feel like you have the capacity to do the things that you think need to be done in ministry, join the club. You need to receive it so that you can distribute it, right? Thank you. I needed that because I can't do this. Here you go. You can have it. Simple concept, but we've complicated it. I don't know how we've managed to complicate this and putting the cart before the horse saying that we've got to earn all these things. We've got to gain. This was something from my, a lot of us are from different uh, cultural backgrounds. My background was all these anointings you had to have. And, you know, you need to have this anointing. You need to move in this. You need to have this gifting to do this. And, and Jesus is like, what about me? <laughs> I feel like that's what he's saying. He's like, okay, yes, but what about me? I'm with you all the time. I'm here. You have unlimited access. And, and I've talked about, uh, in the past we've talked about, uh, what is it, generational curses? Listen, if, if you are born again into the lineage of Christ, all you have is generational blessings now. You don't have to worry about and stress about generational curses. I don't care what mistakes your parents made, you're not bound to those. I don't care what, uh, what lies have been told that have painted the picture of who you're supposed to be in life. God's got truth that he is giving you constantly through the Holy Spirit that tells you that's not who you are. You're who I say you are. That's what gives us a hope. It's a truth that's not, that's not just a, a, you know, a, I always say puppy dogs and, and flowers, but it's a truth that God says, look, I've got something greater for you than you even think that you are, are worthy of. This was the thing I struggled with. Even, even in high school, I remember thinking, and uh, I, brought, I brought Brian home. We talked about it yesterday. I remember there was a time... And this was after I, got, after I was born again, too, and, and we were living in the neighborhood we used to live in, and I, I had a brick house, and I thought how proud I was to have a brick house because of, of, of kind of how we grew up. And 
you know, we struggled and food stamps and all that stuff. And, and I remember thinking, man, I feel like I've made it, right? Like I've made it. We've got a nice house and cars, they're okay. I mean, but they were nicer than we ever had when we, when, you know, when I was younger. And, and I've told the stories of, of the old Riviera. We would, <laughs> the windows were broken a quarter of the way down, so it was just enough to rain and smell like must but just enough to be hot because air conditioning didn't work and we'd have to get ices and blow in them like, like air conditions. you remember that? And, uh, and so th- there was a time in life when I, th- I felt like I had accomplished something. And, man, I am so far from that now. I could care so less about this. We, we're, and many of you know, we're in the process of fixing this house up on the river. I can't wait to sell this big house. It is such a maintenance nightmare. And it is, it is so fancy, and it's not us, and there's all this wasted space. I'm just looking at all the air I'm cooling and heating for no reason. <laughs> and I promise, I can't, if, when we sell this, we're hoping to sell it hopefully next year. We get this house done, and we sell it. I can't wait to buy the smallest house we can fit in <laughs> with solar panels and windmills. I just I swear I don't live off the grid, man. I am tired of stupid crown molding, and I'm tired of it. I, I caulked everything in that stupid house. Anyway. <laughs> Between me and Brian, we <laughs> so anyway, so uh, I'm getting off topic. All right, focus. Um, all these things I haven't done. I haven't looked at any of my notes yet. Ecclesiastes. Uh, I know, right? Ecclesiastes of all things, everything is meaningless and hopeless, right? Listen, the message. I love the message version. We looked up meaningless because NIV says meaningless, and the other one says, uh, "What's the other one?" King James says. Uh, what is it? Vanity, yeah. Vanity, uh, or the, the, the most literal translation is like uh, smoke. So the message version uses smoke, and I was like, oh, sweet. Um, so I'm going to use the message version. This is, this is going to sound foreign to, to some of us, but I love how colorful it is. Um, Ecclesiastes 2, we'll start in 1, we'll see how far we get. Um, it says, I said to myself, let's go for it. <laughs> Experiment with pleasure, have a good time. But there was nothing to it, nothing but smoke. <laughs> What do I think of this fun-filled life? Insane. <laughs> My verdict on the pursuit of happiness, who needs it? With the help of a bottle of wine and all the wisdom I could muster, I tried my level best to penetrate the absurdity of life. <laughs> Basically saying, look, I got as drunk as I could and tried to figure out what was the greatest thing I could think of to have fun. And this is ridiculous. He said, I wanted to get a handle on anything useful we mortals might do during the years we spend on this earth. I mean, what I love about this um, is he's, he's not afraid to tackle some of the hard questions and the hard things we deal with. This is, this is stuff that we question and some people don't want to talk about. Um, verse four, or, uh, yeah, verse 4, it says, Oh, I did great things, built houses, planted vineyards, designated, designated, I can't even read, designed gardens and parks, and planted a variety of fruit trees in them, made pools of water to irrigate the groves of the trees. I bought slaves, male and female, who had children, giving me more slaves, and I acquired large herds and flocks, larger than any before me in Jerusalem. I piled up silver and gold, loot from kings and kingdoms. I gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song. And most exquisite, most exquisite of all pleasures, voluptuous maidens for my bed. Sorry, that's what it says. Verse 9, oh, he's trying everything. He's just trying to find something, all right? Oh, how I, oh, how I prospered. I left all my predecessors in Jerusalem far behind. Left them behind in the dust. What's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse, held back nothing. I sucked the marrow of pleasure out of every task. 
That's why I love the message. I mean, it's, so, it's such a colorful writing, but it's so genuine. My reward to myself for a hard day's work. I hate life. <laughs> then I took a good look at everything I'd done, looked at all the, sweet, all the sweat and hard work. When I looked, I saw nothing but smoke, smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it, nothing. And then I took a, a hard look at what's smart and what's stupid, <laughs> what's, left to do after you've, what's left to do after you've been king. That's a hard act to follow. You just do what you can, and that's it. But I did see that it's better to be smart than stupid. <laughs> I did see that. Just as light is better than darkness, even so, though the smart ones see where they're going and the stupid ones <laughs> grow up in the dark, they're all the same in the end. One fate for all, and that's it. <laughs> Sounds like, uh, uh, what's the purple guy? Eeyore. Sounds like Eeyore. Oh, bother. When I realized that my fate's the same as the fools, I had asked myself. Anyway, he goes on and on. He goes on and on to say all of it was vanity, all of it was smoke, all of it was not worth what he was pursuing. He goes on to say that what's going to happen when I die? I'm going to leave it to somebody that may deserve it or they may not. They may squander it or they may make something of it. He's basically saying, what is the point of this life on earth is what he's trying to get to. And he has tried to search everything that he could think of. And this, this kind of reminds me of me when, when I was younger. I tried to find pleasures in life. I, I always equated it to bucketfuls. I kept having to fill it up. And it was never enough. I was always filling bucketfuls of 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 false joy, of false happiness, of, of empty um, desire that I wanted to, to, to please myself. It was all self-centered and self-referential. And he says that throughout this whole thing, I did this, I built these things, I did these. It's a very common reference here is he's not talking about the Lord, and he gets to that later. He's saying, I did this, I built this, I was a king. I had all these things, I had all these, these, this fruit, all these different things that he had, but he was never happy, he was never satisfied. Does that sound like anybody has ever struggled with that, Right? We've, I've tried all the things. I've done the things, and I'm just, it's not working. Now, <clears throat> many of us have found that, and then what we've done is we've come to church and said, okay, you know what? There's nothing out in the world that really satisfies me. Let's come into the church, and maybe, maybe this is what I need. Maybe I need church. And so what we do is we come into church, and we basically substitute one drug for another. And what we do is we, we go, okay, well, I'm accepted here. I feel better. I've got, a, I've got a group of people that are around me, and they support me, and I, I want to be a part of this. It seems good. And then what, what happens, in, and I'm not trying to just nitpick at other churches, but in my experience, some of the churches that I went to, they began to put more things on me that I needed to do to gain more acceptance. and more. It was, it was just like I was doing out in the world, but now it was more holy things that I had to fill my buckets with. And they were kept getting empty and kept getting empty and kept getting empty, and I kept having to fill them up. And I'd come back to the altar and get saved again, or I'd come back and rededicate my life. or I'd, It's like a house of cards. As soon as... as, soon as I'd build it up, and everything was going well. Um, something would go wrong, and all my, my house of cards would fall because it was me, 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 me. I do this. I can do this. I was proud of what I had accomplished. I was, I was desiring these things so that I could gain something. I didn't even know what I was looking for. I'm just being honest. I just needed, I wanted more anointing. I wanted more of something. I didn't even know what I wanted. I just, what I really wanted was just Christ. That's really, that's all I needed, and I had it. But I was still trying to do this. Paul goes into detail, and I'm, I've got the scripture here, and we can go through it, but most of you know the story. He says, look, if you want, if you want a reason to boast, I've got more. Translated into our terminology, look, I, I, I could be, I'm the, I'm the best giver. I give so much money to the church. I'm the best. Um, I'm here on, you know, uh, Brother Ben. Even my kids call him Brother Ben now. <laughs> Brother Ben. It's Brother Ben in Children's Church. Woo-hoo! Um, 
Ben was talking about last week, are you going to Wednesday night service? Are you going to Sunday night service? Are you doing this? Did you go on this trip? Did you do this? And you make up these buckets of things that you have to do to try to gain some kind of merit um, so, so that you can almost, <laughs> it's so frustrating. You're gaining something that you already have. You're trying to gain something you already have. And that's a miserable place to be if you've ever been there. I've been there. And you run around in circles, you run around in circles until you're like, I can't do this anymore. And the same thing Ben said last week, the one thing that, that the law does and religion does is it breaks people down and makes you realize that you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. It, I mean, it, it brings you to a place that goes, okay, I give up. I mean, I've done this 37 times. I've got 3, 3.7 pounds of tears on this altar and nothing, you know, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a perpetual up and down roller coaster. When Christ says, look, all, all, you need to knew, all you need to do is know me and I know you. And that's it. From that place, now, all these things that you've been desiring, I've got them. You're good. And when you need them, I'll give them to you. They're all gifts anyway. You're not trying to earn them, right? You can't earn a gift. He says, all these are gifts. So if you're desiring gifts, there's lots of different gifts. I don't want to get into the details of them. But if you're desiring gifts, good, desire them. But they're gifts. The, Lord's, the Lord can give them to you. Don't try to earn them in some way that, you're, 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 that you could do it on your own anyway. Um. Trying to save y'all an extra 30 minutes here. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I will say this right before Paul gets into talking about how, how all of this duty is duty. <laughs> See what I did there? He says all this religious duty is like poop. It's like filthy rags. <laughs> duty, duty. Get it? <laughs> you know what, Bill? I don't appreciate that. Just because just I get it doesn't make it funny, Justin. All right. <laughs> Philippians 3.1 says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers that mutilate the flesh, the mutilators of flesh, talking about circumcision, for, because a lot of them were trying to go back to the, to the law. It says, For it is we who are the circumcision, because Christ circumcised our hearts, Right? We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason to, for such confidence, and he goes on to talk about how great he was. And he says, at the very end, he says, Look, whatever uh, were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining, I love how he says that, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He doesn't even know how he's going to do it. Somehow God has done this and made this work for us. Praise God that I can know him and he can know me. I love that Paul says that somehow God has done this to, and we can be involved in it. We, not just Jews, but Gentiles can be involved in it now. Somehow he has worked this out to where there's this new covenant that has open arms and is accepting to anyone that wants to come to Christ. I want to, I'm trying to see what I want to do with the last five minutes. Let's, let's open it up. We've got five minutes. Let's open it up for discussion. Uh, <clears throat> I think... I think when we talk about purpose in life, and I think that uh, 
somebody, do, do we have a mic? Do we have a Donahue mic? I think that this is a common, this, I think this is a big enough subject that there's somebody that may have a question so, or, or something to add to it. So anybody? Anybody? Look, you didn't have to go far. You want him to say it and just tell him? Or you, okay. <laughs> I'm fine either way. Oh, you guys. I was looking at Ecclesiastes 5 at the very end because you were talking about vanity and smoke and stuff. Yeah. And sometimes you do feel like you're in a hamster wheel. I mean, just what am I doing here? Do I have purpose? <clears throat> it says, make the most of what God gives you. After looking at the way things are on this earth, here's what I've decided is the best way to live. Take care of yourself. Have a good time. <laughs> and make the most of whatever job you have for as long as God gives you life. Yeah. And that's about it. And that's the human lot. Yes, we should make the most of what God has given us, the bounty and the capacity to enjoy it, accepting what God has given and delighting in the work. I don't always delight in my work. <laughs> it is God's gift. God deals out joy in the present. He deals out joy in the now. It is useless to brood over how long you might live. Yeah. And going back to the timeline thing, we've got to understand that God's not working on our timeline. He, we, we operate on his. And so when we say, well, God's not doing, or God's not operating, or God's not answering the prayers that I'm asking, it doesn't mean that he's not answering the prayers you're asking. It means that he knows better than you do, and there may be a bit of a time that needs to be between what you're asking and what needs to come to, to fruition there. You know, talking about time, um, one thing that comes to mind that, and I don't know exactly what passage it is, but somebody may be able to help me out here. But I know as children, when you look at our children, they don't seem to have a sense of time. Yeah. Children don't. And one thing the Bible says about it is uh, to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we have to be as children. Mm -hmm. So as adults, we get wrapped up into this time thing. And, and I think sometimes because time stresses us out, we lose yeah. focus of the of the kingdom with that said but i do want to say that uh, one thing that happened to me and i want to share it with everyone here was very special that i get a phone call um uh, yesterday afternoon i think it was no day before yesterday uh and uh and my oldest son says dad something great happened to me and i said well what's that joshua and he says uh, i got saved wow you know, and uh, he said, I asked Jesus to come into my heart and be a part of my life. And when I woke up this morning, something was just different. Uh, and I just, I know I'm saved. That's awesome. So uh, I just wanted to share that with everybody. But that's Praise the greatest God. phone call, I believe, that a parent can get. Oh, yeah. Is when one of their lost children comes back home. Praise God. Oh, man, that's It good. reminded me of the prodigal son, prodigal son with him. You know, how our father always waits with open arms, no matter where we're at in our life, he's always waiting for us to come home. Praise God. How old is Joshua? He's uh, 32. That's awesome. Listen, that's, that's how gracious God is. You know, we, we, because of the whole time thing, we think, well, and even some of you guys in here, I know I'm about to be 42, but some of you guys are even older than me, and we think, well, we don't have anything left, left to give. But listen, God's, God is so gracious to to uh, to work in and through you guys even even more than some of the younger ones. Don't think that's just the young ones that have zeal. I've been around you guys. Um, but but the same thing about kids, and I know that because Jordan is stuck in first gear. Our youngest daughter, she has no concept of time. 
But, but you're right. We don't think about that when we're, when we're younger. When we're kids, we're just like, who cares? Unless it's, unless it's waiting for Christmas, and then you know all about time. Anyway, anybody else? <laughs> Dawn? Well, you got some mints? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had two little things. Just because what you were talking about, I talked with the kids a couple weeks ago in children's church, and then also with some of my teenagers that I have during the <coughs> The first one was a few weeks ago, uh, we were talking, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit when I've had kids' church. And I had asked the kids, what was the, what's the purpose of man? The same question you kind of asked. Yeah. And uh, they all gave some great things, you know, love God, you know, this, that. And uh, Kylie Woodward really summed it up. She said, she raised her hand and she said, it's to know God and make him known. And I thought that was really wow. profound yeah. for a 10-year-old little girl to oh, yeah. say. It I is. haven't even had a chance to tell Jasmine that, but I was really impressed that, you know, I was like, wow, you just summed it up better than I could. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was, and then another neat thing, uh, when I was talking about the teens a couple weeks ago with uh, Ecclesiastes, if you go to the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, uh, basically what you were just reading uh, tells that Solomon was telling everybody that he had it all. I mean, he had the wives and the women and the concubines and the liquor and the houses and anything you can fathom on this earth or whatever you love, nice cars, anything, whatever it is that you're... Well, why are you looking at me when you said that? I'm, kidding. <laughs> that I'm kidding, go ahead. Your mind can fathom would be bring you happiness. Solomon had it all. Yeah. And then in Ecclesiastes 12, he kind of sums up everything. He says, the first, the first verse says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. And he's telling young people, he's like, look, you can either remember God now in the days of your youth or one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And uh, then the end of that, he says he sums up his whole life. And after everything that he did, he sums up the end of Ecclesiastes. And he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Right. And I, I thought that was neat how he was saying, look, the whole duty of man is just to seek God and to right. put God first. What's, what's, what's great about that is, too, the, the, the things on both ends, whether it's, uh, whether it's trying, to find your, trying to fulfill your own selfish desires in the world or trying to fulfill your own selfish desires in the church, they're the same, um, and me, meaning if you're trying to gain something for yourself, being self-referential instead of Christ-referential, what you'll end up is smoke, is <laughs> just vanity. But here's the thing: there's nothing wrong with enjoying life, just like he talks about. It's okay enjoy life. Listen, it's okay to help around in the church, to serve, and to do things. Those things are good things. But the main thing is the source with which we do those. It's it's okay to. To function within the church and, and be a leader or be a helper or be a servant, whatever, whatever gifting you operate in, those things aren't bad, but those things aren't where you find your identity. What happens in the world is when you begin to live that lifestyle, you begin to find an identity in that lifestyle, and it's very difficult for you to come back and see. Sometimes it's very difficult for you to come back and see what God's identity is in and through you because you've identified with all this stuff out in the world, right? That, it's, it, it looks exactly the same in the church. You identify with all this stuff. Like I said, you kind of trade drugs there. When you come into the church, then you identify with all this stuff. Now, if, if anything happens, if, you know, the pastor falls or the church changes or your position shifts or something changes, then now your identity is shaken. Everything that you believed and everything is shaken. With Christ, it's not shaken. With Christ, you can operate within the parameters of the church and within all the different things, and it's okay. And you can operate in, in the world and enjoy life. You can enjoy a good movie that may not be a Christian movie. Ooh, what? 
And it's okay, you know, and that's all based on who you are and you're, and you're, oper- you're operating within the Holy Spirit's guidelines. So the whole thing is you can operate on both ends of the spectrum if your center is on Christ. It's not look because it's not self-referential. It's Christ-referential because it's He's the source. Does that make sense? I can't breathe. All right. <laughs> yeah. That was all in one breath. Yes, Andrew, do you have something to say? Uh, I think so. Um, I, I, it's interesting the, the the way our position shifted in Christ. Um, in the Old Testament, God is the judge, the righteous king, the judge. And so the conclusion, the only conclusion Solomon, Solomon could come up with is, when we said the conclusion of all that's been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. Fear. You know, you fear somebody that has power and rulership over that. But when we got adopted in, our position with God shifted, and we're now sons. And our job as sons and daughters, Jesus said the great commandment in the New Testament side of this is to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength because he took the burden of righteousness away from us. And so we've stepped over into a different kind of relationship where our pursuit is to bury ourselves into a relationship with God as deeply as we can to love him with all of our heart. Mm-hmm. And then it spills over as we love others around us. Well, and that's, and that's why I didn't bring up the last, the, the last verse of that. That's the only reason I didn't bring that up, just because that's not where we, that's Old Covenant, because it talked about following his commands and duty. And that was Old Covenant, and that was important then. Um, and the, the New Covenant is a little bit different. It's, it's still a good scripture in, in the context of everything, but I didn't bring it up now because it's, it's not, that we're on the other side of the cross. If we want to talk about time, we've got before the cross and after the cross. And so we're after the cross, and that has shifted because of Christ. But, but yeah, so, and that's kind of what you're saying too is the, the commands are wrapped up in the heart that God's given us. It's been a heart transplant. Ben also talked about Dr. Dr. Law and Dr. Grace last week. We don't have hand problems and eye problems and ear problems and feet problems. We have a heart problem, right? And we need a heart transplant. Rick, need a heart transplant. All right. <laughs> All right, one more. You got something? And part of that at the end of Ecclesiastes when it says like basically the culmination of our lives and existence is to fear the Lord. It's not just like I guess like when we think of fear, it's uh, it's like a, a good respect and reverence. Yeah. And and an honor and I I guess because I like I've grown up in a church where I've been surrounded by by love and grace and where I haven't felt pressured by my church family to do anything and that's really awesome and now I'm I'm moving into a different season of my own life where I'm learning about like like I, I of course I have a personal relationship but now I get to see it with new eyes because I understand like the power and the reverence that he deserves and I just I think that it's really interesting to see that um like yeah the culmination of our lives is to fear God and that we can know him and know like the full range of his power and his greatness, and we still have that relationship. Right. And that we don't have to be afraid of him, and that we get to, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah, that's the flip, the flip side of the coin that, that everybody gets, uh, looks at the negative part when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. <clears throat> the flip side of that is, when he does know us, he doesn't say that. <laughs> and so the, the knowing is an, an intimate term that he knows us, and he knows us he knew us when we were in sin, and he died for us when we were in sin, and he knows us now that we're on the other side of the cross. But you just reminded me of something as the church. I mean, it's something that Buddy sent me the other day from a book he's reading that I need to get because it's really good. But this is talking about the church, and the church is the, uh, the ecclesia. Um, and it says, The ecclesia is not a complicated, regulated system, but rather a natural expression of the life and character of the indwelling, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, not of earthly origin or citizenship, but a heavenly body. As a, <clears throat> as a spiritual body... The ecclesia 
may witness to the world at any time, place, or environment where two or more are gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 18, 20. <clears throat> Participating in the activity of the Holy Spirit in expressing the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Humans cannot create the ecclesia. Ah, I can't talk. Ecclesia. They can only recognize it. That's the key. We can't create, we don't, we don't build a church, right? We don't build the church. We are the ecclesia. We are the church. We can only operate from that place. And it says, um, humans cannot create the ecclesia. They can only recognize it. This is where we get revelation. This is not to say that the ecclesia is some sort of nebulous, undef- <coughs> unidentifiable mystery, but rather a living reality of the interactive, dynamic life of the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians interact in loving relational life, the character of Christ is to, is to some extent manifested. Such expressions of the uh, ecclesia may happen in an inst- may can't talk may happen in an institutional context, but is more likely to occur in everyday life situations. Basically, it's saying that the church is organic. That that uh, and Brian said this a long time ago when he preached that we breathe in and we breathe we breathe out and breathe in. We move. And so we have conversations with each other. It's not just me up here telling you guys or, or anybody else that preaches up here telling you guys something so that you can learn it and now you've gained some knowledge and you can go apply it. Although those are good things, just like you said, it's better to be smart than stupid, yes. But there's something deeper than that where we build relationships with each other because we spend time with each other. And that is more organic. That happens on its own. From that place we build structure, not the other way around. All right, stand up with me. I'm about to start another sermon on church. My bad. All right, Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the time that we can come in here and spend together every Sunday. Lord, I thank you for the time that you are revealing to us that we can spend with other people around us. Lord, don't, don't let us overlook the opportunities that you've created for us and uh, the divine intervention that you have, have made these divine appointments in our lives with, with friends, with family, with strangers. Lord, help us to uh, be responsive and be, uh, be, for our eyes to be open and our ears to be open for opportunities to bless the people that are around us. Lord, it is, it is freedom that you set us free, and it is free for us to give um, from you to, to everyone we come in contact with. Lord, I thank you that you've given us this freedom, that it's not uh, out of obligation or out of fear in a, in a way that we are afraid of you, but it is, it is a place of reverence that we know that we carry a power from our Father, and that we carry a truth and we carry uh, blessings from you, Lord, because in you are all spiritual blessings, and we, we have you with us. We are walking, talking temples of the Holy Spirit. So I just thank you that we are bringing the kingdom on earth, and I thank you that you are moving in and through us every day and every moment. In Jesus' name, amen.